Praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast today, Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I happen to be that guy, so I'm glad you tuned in with us. I hope you get your Bibles and paper and pencil and travel along with us today in the Word of God. Just a couple of announcements before we dig in uh, this morning, and that is one, that we're still offering this precious little book that we wrote here at Crossway Church, All God's Works Are Done in Truth. Uh, be very valuable to you uh, to get this book and to learn God's Word in truth. I promise you this will help you. Psalms 33, 4 says, For the Word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. And when you come to the understanding that Jesus is that truth and the cross is the only thing that makes Him the liberating a applicable truth to your life, then you'll see how important that one scripture and is in the book of Psalms. And this little 62-page booklet will bless your soul and bring much clarity and remove much confusion. I guarantee at $15, you can send it to the physical address or our website, thecrosswaychurch.com. I'll just uh, tell you the physical address in case you might be listening. You can't see us for whatever reason. It's 610 Highway 50. Queen City, Texas, 75572. And uh, people from everywhere are buying the little booklet. I take them with me when I travel and sell them. And I promise you all we've heard is testimonies because if you're hungry for the Word, you want to know the truth of the Word, God will use it to greatly strengthen your faith and bring understanding of His Word to your heart. And we're just excited about what God is saying and doing here through this ministry. And uh, I want to tell you that uh, we lost uh, here one of our loved ones recently. For those of you who didn't know it, uh, Sister Pamela Rance went to be with the Lord a couple days ago. Uh, about 4.30, somewhere like that in, that in the afternoon. And the Lord knows I didn't like it, and, uh, but he took her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but we learn to like what the Lord does. You know, you, you just have to be honest, and you have to be honest with the Lord. You can't pretend that you, you don't like something and, and try to make God think you do. You know, God knows I don't like rain. I don't like rain. I, he knows that I know we need it. He knows that I know uh, that he knows that I'm thankful for it. But he also knows Curtis don't like rain. But you know what? He don't stop raining because I don't like it. And he don't stop from taking folks home when it's their time for them to go home just because I don't like it. And, and the other day I was grieving and mourning as, as normal you would over someone you lose from uh, in ministry with you and in your family or whatever. And, and the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, my thoughts and my ways are so much higher than yours. Uh, you know, I know what's best. And, you know, we just have to accept that knowing that God does know best. And we trust him. If you and I could have taken Taken that from Pam that hurt her, that caused her to perish, we would have done that. But you know what? We just have to trust the Lord. And we're going to trust the Lord uh, through thick and thin. I know it's easier said than done, but it is done by faith, and we trust the Lord. So if you didn't know that, I just wanted to share that with you. And also, there's uh, the visitation is tonight from 6 to 8 at Chapel Wood Funeral Home on t at 1015 uh, North Kings Highway in Nash, Texas. And the funeral is also in that same place Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And again, that is 1015 North Kings Highway 
Highway in Nash, Texas. Praise God. Uh, well, it won't be long. We'll be doing what Pam's doing anyway. She just beat us home, doggone it. But we're headed there, and we'll be there before you know it. And, be and believe me, when you see her, you will know her. But it won't be because of the way she looks. It'll be that you knew her here by her spirit. And you will know her there by her spirit because our spirits bear witness. Those who have their faith in Christ Jesus and what he did at Calvary. We know each other here. We'll know each other there. And we long for that day. And uh, it's coming soon to a theater near you. Could be today, so you better get right. Amen. Praise God. Uh, we're going to jump into the Word this morning, and again, here we are today. This is our last session for 2017. We're about to enter into a new year that God has already promised to crown with His goodness and to drop fatness in our past. We find that in the uh, book of Psalms, and He has promised already to crown, surround our year with His goodness and to drop abundance in His path for our lives. Man, I get excited thinking about that. But this is the 29th of December, 2017. This is our eighth session in the book of Galatians. And we're just as excited today as we've ever been to get into God's Word that is truth to us. That means it brings life, liberty, freedom, deliverance, and every other thing we need, Jesus, in our lives by His Spirit, giving us the experience of everlasting and abundant life right now. I'm not waiting for it. I can have it right now. If by faith in the cross, I'll keep fighting to cling to that old rugged cross, then I can lay hold on what I already have. Praise God. So in Galatians uh, chapter 1, where we are, and this week we will uh, begin in verse 11, but to begin in verse 11, you got to back up and get a, you know, we, that's what we do. You know, you can't just start in one verse, you you got to be like an old bull or an old goat. Before you take off running, you got to kind of back up and scrape your feet a little bit and then pick up steam, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, but before we do, I, I have a note here that I that the Lord laid on my heart this morning uh, before I ever left the house, and I jotted it down, put it here, and I want to share it with you. When we study the Word, or we sit under preachers of the Word, teachers of the Word, or someone is sharing the Word with us to, in any manner. And again, let me say, even when we are studying the Word for ourselves, we must understand the only thing that will cause the Bible to make sense in our lives is the cross. You, you can't read the book of Job. You, can't, you won't understand Job unless you can see the cross. And know the cross. You won't understand anything in the Bible except with a human, uh, earthly, fleshly sense, you know, uh, selfish uh, wisdom that is earthly. Uh, if you don't understand Jesus and what he did at Calvary, if you don't have your faith in that alone, you won't have the wisdom that the Holy Spirit wants you to have. The Bible cannot make sense to even a saved person. The lost person can't understand it at all, but a saved person can't even understand the word without their faith anchored in the blood of Jesus. Because it's only through faith in the cross the Bible makes sense. You see, God calls it the word of righteousness, the word of reconciliation, the word of grace, the word of truth. Those things all come together and culminate in the death of Jesus Christ. And without our faith there, you can read it and think you have something, but you really won't have anything. 
The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will only speak the truth to you when he comes. He's going to speak of him, Jesus said, of his own self. He's not going to talk about everything we hear talked about today. So we'll know it's the Spirit of God. Our spirit will bear witness with the Spirit of God when God's Word is being taught and preached in a way that's reconciling, that is a, a, a way that draws us to righteousness, who is Christ, and where he imputed that, where he offers that even today to saved people to lead us down the path of righteousness, that word of grace, that means the word of what God will do in our lives, because that's what grace is, what God will do. And the word of truth, who Jesus is. See, it all, it's all wrapped up together. You can't separate the word of righteousness from the word of reconciliation, which, by the way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that's what God has committed unto us. You can't separate the word of truth, the word of grace. They're all tied together. And when you think you've got something, those four things have to come into play. And when one of them won't, you're off track and your thinking is getting off track. So I wanted to share that this morning because we have God's word of righteousness. And unless we are studying it in the way of righteousness, which is Christ and what he did for us at Calvary, at an, every minute at all times, we can't ever forsake that. If we do, we've really forsaken the purpose of God's Word, the revelation offered to us through God's Word, and the application and experience of God's Word will have been forsaken if we let go of the cross. And I hope you're understanding that. I know most of you who watch the broadcast do, because uh, a lot of you are in cross-preaching churches, or you're at least a media member, you're listening to someone sharing the Word of God in truth. That means pertaining to Christ and what He's accomplished. Any other thing is what we're making up just to make somebody feel good for a minute or two but it won't be the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start in verse 10 today, chapter 1 of Galatians. Let's ask the Lord to give us something today that we desperately need. Whether you realize it or not, you desperately need a word from God today. We live by faith. God is not silent. He continually speaks at all times. I'm sorry there are preachers that will tell you God will get silent on you, but that's not true. When we think God is silent, there's one thing we need to do, and that's repent and, and, and say, Lord, help me, for I know you're trying to teach me truth. I know you're speaking to me. And, know, and we come along as preachers and try to make it sound so spiritual. Well, what to do when God's not speaking to you? Let me tell you, repent. Amen. Get back in hunger to hear from God. He's speaking. Sometimes we're ignoring and don't know it. We just call it him not speaking, but it's really us too busy, us ignoring. So let's ask God today to give us that daily bread that we desperately need. Today we need him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the giving of your Son, Jesus Christ, the living word, therefore that we might partake of him and the study of your word today. I pray that it would be a partaking of Christ through faith in that great, wonderful, atoning sacrifice for 
all of humanity. Today we take it personal again. We make it our cross. We take up our cross. Lord, we deny ourselves of any thoughts that would distract us from, but from being single-eyed toward Calvary. And we ask for a greater revelation, a greater illumination today of the Word of God, that this path, Lord, that you promised would shine more, would shine more today for us, and we would recognize Jesus as our bright light even more so. Give us the daily bread today. We desperately need and we ask for it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Boy, I don't know about you, but I can just feel the Lord in this place today. Mm. In verse 10, Paul is saying, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And last week we covered that, and that we, we talked for a few minutes about the fact that you cannot serve men and God. And, and I'll share it and we'll move on because it was very good to me as the Lord brought it out last Friday. You can serve God only through faith in the cross. Romans 6 bears that process out. It's clear as, 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 as it can be that uh, you can't serve God unless you're serving righteousness and you can't serve righteousness unless your faith is in what made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's bear out in Romans chapter 6. But what I want to say is what I said last week. If you're serving God through faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary, then you can serve men. But if you're serving men before you're serving God, you can't serve God. God has to come first, not the congregation. Hear me carefully. Not your family, not your spouse, not your children. And I know people sit and they say amen and they keep going right in priorities out of order. But God is, is a good God and he shows up to, to do things in our families, let me say it again this morning, that we flat out don't like. But it's to get our priorities in order. It's to get our priorities in order. And if you're serving God through faith in the cross, you can serve men because that's God serving them through you. But if you're serving men, you can't serve God. Amen. I wanted to restate that before we moved on. But Paul says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. And the, if when you look this up, and I pray that you would never listen to a preacher giving you the definition of a word in the Bible, that you, that you would never just take that and just trust him. I'm, I'm speaking of you listening to me, that you yourself would get you some materials that show you where you can see what the Greek says, what the Greek... I'm not talking about something different. I'm talking about to greater enhance. You know, when you look up words in the Bible, they many times don't mean what we use them for today in our English language. And so I encourage you never just to take a preacher's word for it, but take the time. It's called being a student of the word, going that extra distance. If you just start trusting a preacher, guess what happens when he gets off track? There you went with him and you didn't even know it. So 
get some material, some concordances, and, and some things that will show you. So when I tell you what words like certify mean, you can go look for yourself, and you don't just follow me, you know, but you, you check it out. It's very important that you check it out for your own self. Amen? And when Paul says, I certify you, when, you we, when we read that, we'd think, okay, we've done something now, and we've got a certificate of, of doing. We've got our, but that, this word here, when Paul says, I certify you, it means to make known to the point that you understand. That's what it means, to make known. I've made known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. That means man didn't come up with it. He didn't make it up. He didn't give it to me. And I've made it known to you. To the point where you understood it. You know how he knew? Because they got saved. They got born again. Man can't give rebirth to somebody. We're, you know, only way we can reproduce after our kind is through an act of intercourse sexually, and, and God intended that through marriage to happen. But you and I, I can't cause you to be spiritually born again. The Spirit of God has to do that through your faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. And when Paul came and preached the gospel, God through him is making known to them that this thing is not of man. And the result of their faith in the message of the cross, the gospel, the power of God, the wisdom of God, was that they got born again. They received the Spirit of God. And, and, of course, Paul had people following him around trying to make out that Paul wasn't who he said he was. He didn't have the calling he said he had from God, and he wasn't one of the twelve, and he used to kill Christians, and blah, blah, blah. It went on and on. But how many of you know, and I heard my dear brother Lauren Larson say a couple days ago in the message of the cross, uh, which, by the way, comes on at 7 o'clock Central time ever day of the week you need to be watching on uh, SBN and on direct and dish television he made this statement he said the apostle Paul was the least likely guy to ever be saved and ended up writing a big huge chunk of the New Testament the one God gave the revelation of the cross the one God used to bring order into a church that he was saving and building the one that would describe the gifts of the spirit and the way they should be used in the church a, a, a phenomenal thing that God would pick God always picks the least likely to succeed a man that didn't want to go back to Egypt a man that said no God you can have that I'm, I'm fine out here talking about Moses you know God no you're going you're the one God always shows up in people's lives like Gideon oh you got the wrong one God I'm the least of the least in my family and our family see us as that way too but God sees what not who we can be but what he can do in and through us it's never really about us it's about God seeing I can use you to do my will not to make your name great but I know you will make my name great you will do what I say and so but but it's always the least in the of those 
that we would ever pick. You know, like, you know, when, uh, what was the king, the, the, the prophet's name, Samuel, when he came to Jesse. I want to see your boys. God sent me, you know, you got a, you got a boy here that's going to be king. God's chosen you. And Jesse goes and picks from the tallest and the best looking down to the ugliest and the least. And, 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 and Samuel said, is this all you got? Something not right here. But, you know, Jesse's like, well, Pretty much, I, the only thing I got left is a little ruddy fella out there keeping the sheep. And you don't know, oh no, Samuel said, I got to see him too. And I won't sit down and rest till I see him. Because the one that the world throws away, even your family throws you away, God's looking for you, will find you, use you, use David greatly. Greatly. And I tell you, I take pleasure and joy in that growing up as the least likely to succeed. The shortest guy on the football team had to take my britches on before they'd stay up. Half my number was in my britches. And, and I just always the least likely to succeed. But God would show up one day and deliver me out of a world of mess and save me and show up again and deliver me out of a church full of religion and deliver me again. And he just keeps coming back to deliver me again. And he still coming back, but he, he don't choose who the world chooses. He chooses the least likely to succeed. N not the mighty, not the, not the, the strong, the, but the weak and the abased, the Word of God says he chooses. And I thank God that he chose me to do a little part of his will while I'm on this earth. And, and just like the Apostle Paul, who didn't go around tooting his own horn trying to make his case about himself, but he was really trying to make the case that God was making about him. The message that God gave him, not a message I made up. What I've got, listen, I've certified you. I've made known to you to the point where you understood it and got saved. And, and, and man didn't do this now. Man didn't do, and we as a church, a cross-preaching church, wherever you might be, need to wake up and realize God is doing what's happening right now. I've said it for a few years. We're in the middle of a move of God. It's happening. We need to get past where we sit in a church building and what color the walls are. We need to show up and enjoy the presence of God, the Word of God, the worship that's going to God. I mean, we need to realize where we are. We are in a right in the middle of a reformation that's taking place where God is drawing his people out of religion, saving the lost, reviving us, and awaking us to righteousness. And Paul here, he says, listen, he, he tells them, he says, look, I, I'm not here to please men. I'm, I'm here to only please God. And, and, and I've certified you, I've made known to you to the point of understanding that the gospel which was preached of me did not come from men. It had no help from men. It did not happen. And Weist in his, uh, uh, whatever you call it, his little uh, study of the word and his, his interpretation of this, he says, for this one scripture says, for I make known to you. See, that's what the word certify means, and I do pray that you would look that up. I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which was announced as good news by me, that it is not as to its nature human. 
It did not come from man. And the Bible goes on to say, and I've got it right here, man did not make up the gospel as even the princes of this world were blinded to what was enfolded in the old until God unfolded it through Paul in the New Testament. And even at the day of the cross, it was still a mystery. It was a mystery until really Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Listen, and it was still a mystery pretty much, not for salvation, but it was still a mystery of how that would affect us today even more than being born again until God gave this man, Paul, the revelation of what really happened at the cross, how we were identified with Christ there in his death. God saw us crucified with him, buried with him, raised up to newness of life with him, and we didn't have that. It was still a mystery to some degree until God gave the revelation to Paul. It didn't come from those who walked with Christ. It came from the Holy Spirit right directly directly to Paul, to him. And folks who today would rip the the pages out of the Bible and, and books like Romans out and say Paul really didn't have the full revelation, that, my friend, is calling God a liar. Because last week we covered in verses earlier that God had told Paul that you tell the church in Galatia, if anybody, you come again, an angel from heaven comes and preaches any other message than you've already preached to them. Let them be accursed. And that's a powerful statement because what that tells us is there's nothing new outside of what God gave Paul for us to get saved, learn to live saved, and to make it through to the end to the salvation of our souls, the Bible. There's nothing you can add to that. So to rip something out is really a move of the devil who, who by that old lie, that first old lie, did God really say, I got news for you, from Genesis to Revelation, I'm not erasing anything. Every jot, every tittle, every verse, every chapter, it's got the stamp of the blood of Jesus on every letter. I'm telling you, I'm not removing nothing because God said if I did, he would remove Move me from the Lamb's book of life. I take that literally to be true. Because he doesn't wink at ignorance. Commands us to repent. It's just the word of God. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 7 and 8 say this. Paul, continue in his writing but to a different church here, the church in Corinth, he says, again, 1 Corinthians 2 and 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, because had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, Paul right here in these two verses tell us that the hidden wisdom of God comes through the cross. Through the cross. And had the men, the men, the princes of this world knew it, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. So here, again, he, he, he later on to this, to this church in Corinth proves his point, what we're trying to say here. Man didn't give me this thing. Man didn't have it to give. That, see, that's the best thing we can say. Man didn't have it to give. When the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or even imagine in our minds, Ephesians 3 and 20, uh, that's really 
you can use that to know that God can do today what you need, more than what you need. But really to me, that scripture, as I said when we began today, all scripture, it has to begin at Calvary, point to Calvary. But that scripture to me is about the cross of Christ because there he did exceedingly abundantly more than I could have ever asked for or even imagined in my mind and been able to ask for. There he did more. There he provided for me more. And the way he provided is back to what we talked about earlier. I just don't like the cross. Because that's not what I would choose. And no man would have chosen that. We, we would have all, outside the revelation of who he really was, been standing there saying, why don't you show your power and come down off that cross, big boy? You, all these miracles they say you've done, well, prove it. Come down off the cross. We, you know, we really don't like a lot of times the way God does stuff. No man would have picked the cross. No man. So the point I'm trying to make is what God gave Paul, no man had before God gave it to Paul. So it had to come straight from God to a man before it could be released to the world. See, that's the way God does it. He chooses men to bring forth his plan through. Even though we're all inadequate, we're all, even the man who would be used the most above all whoever in the world that has ever been, they're still imperfect, they still have issues. And God, when Nathan the prophet came to David and said David and, and accused him of sin, <coughs> without having to go through all that whole story, uh, you know, Nathan was still a sinner, his own self. Mary the virgin who gave birth to Jesus was a sinner. God says all have sinned, but still he uses those that will just trust him. And Paul had to trust God. And let me tell you something, folks, as we'll see as we move on through this study, Paul basically lost everything he had. Everything he'd worked for. And there are ministers who watch these broadcasts. They watch our services here. And they've worked so hard for years for things. And now God is trying to get you to realize you've worked so hard for nothing. Because the only work he honors is the work of his son Jesus. Our simple childlike faith to believe that alone so that the work that's done now is by his spirit. Jesus not only created all things, not only died to reconcile all things, but anything that's not being done by Jesus through his Spirit today is not being recognized by the Lord. That's why at the great white throne judgment, many will say, Lord, didn't I? Didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? He's going to say, I don't know who you are. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Really, can you imagine living your entire life, your daddy, your granddaddy, your great-granddaddy, your great-great-granddaddy, all the way down through hundreds and hundreds of years, your family being what you thought was devoted to God, just to stand before him and, and hear him say, I, I don't know who you are. What you are is a worker of iniquity. You have done all that's been done. Because only through faith in my Son do I accept anyone. Only through my faith, in, let me say it a better way, only through the blood shedding of my Son do I accept anyone. 
Hear me, Christian. Only through faith in the bloodshed of my son do I see myself working. Do I work through any of my children? Jesus not only created all things, reconciled all things to God through the shedding of his blood, but if anything's being done today, it's through our faith in the gospel or it's just us. It's just us. And when our faith is in the cross alone, then we're not teaching and preaching a bunch of other stuff. Well, we don't have to really preach it like you do. We don't. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. God's telling you today, yes, you do. You're wasting your time ministering on marriage all the time. You're wasting your time ministering on childbearing and child raising and how to have a debt-free financial life. Those things will only be understood through the cross, and those things are not the focus of God anyway. They're the blessings when we get our focus right. Amen. Amen. So what was given Paul wasn't given Paul by men. If it would have been, the Judaizers, uh, whatever they are, <laughs> legalists, yeah. blasphemers, yeah. haters of God and didn't know it, would have just taken Paul right in. Yeah. But that wasn't the case. No. Watch this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. We're still where we were just a minute ago. Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Remember that phrase, the testimony of God. See, that's what we need. The testimony of God, not the testimony of men. When we stand in pulpits, sir, we need to give the testimony of God. Not my testimony. My testimony, listen, if it, listen the te my testimony is a testimony of the cross. Yes. Amen. Amen. Me telling you God delivered me from drugs and this and that and all the other and murder and all the things I could name. Listen, that will never help you unless you know that my deliverance, my salvation came through the blood of Jesus. Verse 2, 1 Corinthians 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. A man recently told me, well, that was just what he told the church in Corinth. you got to be off your rocker. We're talking about the testimony of God. <clears throat> I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching <clears throat> excuse me, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now let me say something about that this morning. The demonstration here is specifically referring to his preaching. Not what happens at some altar call after the preaching. His preaching is what he's speaking of. The testimony of God he's delivering. Oh, and if it is the right testimony of God, if the preaching is right, there will be a confirmation. There will be a conviction of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. There will be people healed. There will be people restored, delivered, reconciled. God will be moving in the midst of people who are hearing, even if they're rejecting, but you can't reject the gospel unless God is stirring your heart with the gospel. Even the rejection is the confirmation of a move of God taking place. 
<clears throat> but so many years I read this, and, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man wisdom, uh, of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. And my mind just left the preaching. That didn't, I didn't even think of that. And I thought about what, what, you know, what's really going on there, the altar and all the prophesying and all that stuff. He's talking about his preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Here again, he's confirming what I got to say, man didn't give it to me. Most men are not going to like it because I don't have a, a, a perfectly uh, voice. You know, I've not been schooled and educated how to speak. And he didn't come to please men. Here we are again. We did, he didn't come to please men. But he says his preaching was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He's saying to us here that my preaching being the gospel is the demonstration of the wisdom and of the Spirit and of the power of the Spirit. My preaching, what I'm preaching, not how I'm preaching, what I'm preaching, the testimony of God. That's why I've got to determine to know nothing else. If God's going to move, I've got to determine to know nothing else. And I thank God for what he's done here at Crossway Church. I'm not boasting in me or the people here. I'm boasting in what God has been able to do here and many other places where he's doing the same thing. But he says, here's the reason. Watch this. i got to read this again. Verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit. That means what the Spirit was doing through the preaching of the cross. And of power, colon. Everybody say colon. There's that colon. Maybe if I activate your mind this morning, turn around and get a little excited. Watch this. See, the colon. The colon. Everybody say the colon. The colon. You got to learn the mystery of the colon. <laughs> yes. After there's a colon, there's coming something specifically concerning what was just said. All throughout the Bible, when you see a colon, we're having a little Bible class this morning. That okay? When you see a colon, what was just said, something is, God is about to say something to get specific concerning what he just said. So watch this. I got to read it again. That all right, y'all? You can't read nothing. Let's just read it five more. I'm kidding. First Corinthians two four. And my speech and my preaching. Can we mention something about that? Not just his preaching, but his speech was all wrapped up in the gospel was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, colon, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, if what we're given only comes from what old Junior over there wrote in his book, and it's not the Word of God in truth referring to Christ and what he did at Calvary, the avenue of how this can be applied to my life, if it's just from man, then, I'm, then I can only walk in the wisdom of men. That James 3, 15 through 18, somewhere in there, says that wisdom is earthly, it's, sense, it's, it's, uh, it's of our senses, it's fleshly, it's devilish. 
If it's not the wisdom that comes from above, which God says in James 3.17 is first pure, then peaceable, easy to be entreated, uh, good, gentle, full of mercy and good fruits, and without hypocrisy, that's the wisdom that comes from above. And how many of you know that's Jesus? Hallelujah. He's the, our wisdom, made unto us wisdom. So when our faith is standing in the cross of Christ, we're going to experience the power of God, but we're going to be rejected by most men today. Most preachers out there in these bondages and traps and snares that they're in are going to say things about us, and I'm just encouraging all the cross-eyed preachers. I know people watch who really don't preach the cross, but the Lord's trying to pull you in to what He's doing today. You just need to stay the course, my friend. The people will never be able to have their faith in the power of God unless we preach, become determined to cause our speech and our preaching to be the testimony of God. God, which is the cross of Christ. And until we come back to that determination, our people may think we're all this and that and exalt us, and, and, but they won't be standing in the power of God. They will be walking in the wisdom of men. I've watched for years men have a, 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 a something about them where they can lead people and people just flock to them. But then they're not leading people to the cross. You see, that's where you've got to point people to. If that's old to you, then you need to awaken to righteousness. Amen, Brother Curtis. Praise God. Turn the page. Mm. Let me see if we're all right here this morning. But I certify you, verse 11, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Verse 12 says, Because I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it of man, but I was taught it by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Think about this. I want you to hear this this morning. Uh, I can't really see that, 19 minutes. Uh, think about this. Paul, when he was Saul, he knew the old covenant, but he didn't know it. As in the context it was given to us. At that time, it was still a mystery to Paul when he would sit there, Saul rather, and he would hold the cloaks of those that would want to stone Christians. Paul had a hatred for the church, and he had a, he had a man, he would go in and ravage and, and ransack and drag men, women, and mamas and daddies and babies out and put them in prison for believing in this Christ because he didn't know. You can do dangerous things when you don't know. And that's what deception is, my friend. It's I don't know that I don't know. Preachers who turn in and they watch us and they hear about us and, and then they walk away saying, well, I, you know, I, that's all Bible they were quoting, but you know, we, we're farther along than all that basic stuff. This is not basic stuff, man. Oh, well, let's just go ahead and admit it. This is basic stuff, but the power of God is in the basic stuff. If, 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 if a child can't understand it, then God ain't giving it. See, we, 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 we compare our spiritualness with our natural. We think we're growing up and we're less dependent on God. No, the more we grow up, Angela said it Wednesday night when she was leading praise and worship, and we've heard it before, that when, when we're growing and maturing in the things of the Lord, we don't need Him less and less. We become more dependent on Him than ever before. It's totally the opposite. Amen. 
I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and, and when this guy who was capturing and imprisoning Christians on his way to keep doing it, on his way, God catches us in right in the midst of our mess. I remember when the Lord took drugs away and was taking these things away, and, and I, I'll never forget saying, yeah, all that's gone, but you know what? I'll be drinking, old Bud Dumber, till I'm an old man rocking on my front porch in my rocking chair. You see, old Bud Dumber was the last thing to go, but it went. You know, I just thought, man, I, this is gone, that's gone. Surely God wouldn't require the alcohol to go too. Oh, yes, he did. And I'm sure he just had a big old smile on his face thinking, my thoughts and my ways. They're so high, much higher than yours. Not, they're not just a little bit higher. They're not just dangling over your head. My thoughts and my ways are as high as the heavens are above the earth. I'm thankful he knows best. And I'm thankful that he knows far better than I know. And I'm thankful that he showed up one day and said, that's wrong too, Curtis, and that's hurting you. It's hurting your witness. So, you know, I, I'll be honest again this morning. I didn't like it. But I believed God. And when you believe God, something's got to be let go of. Paul on his way, Saul rather, on his way to get more Christians and put them in jail. Go in there and crash the door in and just drag them out. Drag them to prison. And we'll get into that later, probably next week. You know, how the actual, that's exactly what they did. They burst in, they grabbed them, and they dragged them off to prison. And had them locked up because their faith was in the one he was about to believe in. So many people are so close. And sometimes it's the ones who are the most hard-headed, the ones who are putting on the biggest display of, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't believe in that. I would never believe in that. And boy, you wake up next week and you read it. There it is on Facebook. I love Jesus. Glory to God. <laughs> and I'm like, you're kidding <laughs> And the Lord reminds me, Curtis, yeah, there was one day when a lot of people said, you're kidding about you. And Saul, man, here, he, he, he says here in, in, in verse 12, I, I didn't receive this of man. I, I wasn't taught it by man, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. This man, in his journey to keep doing the evil he was doing in the eyes of God, but right in his eyes. You see, and that's what we get caught up in. We think we're doing right all the while God knows we're not. We're doing evil. And the revelation he had that changed his life and the first words out of his mouth were, Who are you, Lord? And when Jesus told him who he was, the second words were the surrender, What would you have me do? See, that's what happens at true conversion. That's why all Christians, everybody who's ever been saved, the first thing they want to do is serve God. How do I serve God? That's why it's so dangerous in our great nation of America today to get saved and then just be planted. Because a lot of churches can get you saved, but then they just trap you and chain you down in law. And they don't continue to preach the message of righteousness, the truth of God's Word that saved you, that will continue to lead you in that path. And, and you can be in all these things and think you're so right and be so wrong. I've been there. I've been there. 
And I'm probably still a little bit there now about some things. I'll admit it. Because I don't know everything. And you know, honesty would say today that if I don't know everything, that means that I'm probably wrong about some things. But I'm not wrong about how to get saved. I'm not wrong about how to live saved. I'm not wrong in telling you that God will only work in truth because I have God's Word telling me that. Are, are you okay today? But on the way to Damascus, Saul had the revelation of Jesus. A revelation that it was him he'd been persecuting. Him. Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting my people? He said, why are you persecuting me? See, and that's something we never need to forget. Jesus considers those that believe in him, his church, him. I'm not talking about we are literally God the Son now, but we are literally adopted sons and daughters of God now. We will never be God. Run from people that tell you we will be God. God didn't create us to be God. He created us to be human beings, people. He created angels to be angels. You're never going to have angels. <laughs> you know how many people through the years have said, when do we get our angels, our wings, Brother Curtis? In church. And I'm not making fun of them. I'm just telling you that's how ignorant, not stupid, ignorant, not knowing we've been because we don't know the Word. But Paul here is reminding these people that are being distracted by these Judaizers, these liars, these people who think they're living for God, but they're not. He, he's trying to hold on and keep the church. He's, a, he's trying to defend the gospel and, and keep the people of God who've believed been certified, come to an understanding through this preaching of the gospel. He's trying to hold them the course by reminding them of the gospel, the gospel. It's not Paul proving that he's an apostle. It's Paul continuing to let them know the main thing is that it is the power of God. It's what changed your life. I didn't the gospel did. I didn't get it from men. I didn't get it from these people. I didn't get it from somebody. I didn't even get it from the Christian people. I've been persecuting. I got it straight by the revelation of Jesus. Well, Jesus came and, 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 and spoke to me and convicted me and, and told me that he'd called me and chosen me to suffer many things for him, to get the gospel to a, a, a dying world. That was the revelation of Christ that changed his life. And you know, a lot of people, man, today, if, 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 the, if the Lord, if they really had a visitation from the Lord and they walked away from it blind, they'd say it wasn't God, he wouldn't have left me here blind. But this was such a powerful, and it had to be. It had to be because this man would be responsible for taking this gospel to parts of the world that it would never have gone without him. And so his conversion, this revelation, had to be the way it was. Left blind. 
Yet, you know, you, and to be told to go on into the city and there would be a man that would pray for you and that you would receive sight. Think about when God called Moses. The power of God had to be seen on such a call because, I mean, what Moses would go and be led of God to do and God would do through him would take a man that had to believe this is God. Even on, on days where it looked impossible, God would have had to show him something that his faith would stand in and and, and on the mountain before Moses ever seen, he said, put, put, your, put your hand in your cloak. And he pulled it out. Oh, it's leprous, God. What have you done? Put it back in your cloak. Pulled it out. It was healed. I refer that today to, to Moses because Paul had this same experience to some degree. The power of God blinded him. But it was such a revelation he had of Christ where Christ told him to his face, you, you persecuting me. Because Christ is identified with us. When people criticize and persecute those who have their faith in the blood of Jesus, who are, are, are those just a Christian, you're attacking the very person of Christ. When you poke on a Christian, you're sticking your finger in God's eye because we're the apple of his eye. And this experience that Saul, who had become Paul, had on the road to Damascus changed his plans. He didn't get up and think about it. He didn't go ahead and finish his business that day. Well, you know, and just it was some, well, I got to work through this. It's some process, you know. It's a, well, you know, I'm going to still get me a family or two today. No, I'm going to tell you, those people he were going to get, the papers he had, they probably blew away in the wind. Because he got up from that place and went and did what the Lord told him to do. That's just a picture of true Christianity. The blindness, I, I believe, can be looked at by us today as something that we go blind to the world and the way it had us. That The Lord says, behold, look, I've made all things new. Just forget what I've forgotten. Go blind to what I've erased because I've erased it all and made you new, made everything about you new. The way you even see things now, I've made it new for those who are in Christ. And Paul literally became physically blind and had to be handheld into town and placed in a place. And, and I tell you, that was a move of God that changed a man's heart. He received on the road to Damascus his revelation of Jesus. He still didn't know everything, but he accepted Christ. And he stopped living for Saul. And he lived for Jesus. That's what the revelation of Jesus will do. It'll stop you with your thoughts. It'll stop you with your plans. And your agendas will go out the window. It won't matter what mom and dad have said. It won't matter the churches you've been in. It'll only matter now, Lord, where would you lead me? What would you have me do? And again, listen, don't be confused about that. God is not silent. The moment you get saved, God will begin to minister to you and lead you by his spirit. And you will know you will know. There won't, it's not a guessing game. You will know. Our spirit bears witness with the Spirit of God, not only that we're the children of God, but what it means to be led by the Lord. Galatians 5.18 says, As many as are led of the Spirit are not under law. That tells us in one verse alone, the Lord will never lead us back to a place of submitting to Judaizers.
Preachers who preach law. Preachers who won't preach the cross. The Spirit of God will never lead us and plant us in a local church that's not all about the cross, referring to every chapter and verse to Jesus and what He did at Calvary. He won't do it. And for us to have to uh, get still before God and honest before God, and even though we don't like it, we have to be honest with God. I've thrown away many years, God. I've thrown away many years, God. Moses had to admit it. Paul had to admit it. And both those men and multiple millions in the past have had to say, Okay, God, I'm not happy about this. I'm not excited about this. But I know it's truth. I know you're dealing with me. I know this is you. And I'm going to count it all done. Can I tell you today that the only reason Paul counted it all done is because the Spirit of God told him to count it all done. Paul didn't say anything. He didn't write anything that the Spirit of God didn't move on him to do or to say. His speech and his preaching. And you and I have to come to that place. And I knew it back in 2005 when the Lord showed me this is right. The message of the cross is right. And I said, okay, God, I accept that. I accept that I'm about to lose everything I've ever known and probably be cut off from every minister I've ever been associated with because they're they not preaching this. And you know what? All those years ago, 12 years ago, not one of those ministers have followed us into this. They're still out there. They're still tied into what they're doing, working for their degrees, working for their positions, just want to attain a higher place. But that higher place only comes through a servant heart and the promotion of God, not us working for things. And we lost many relationships, but you know what? We, like the Apostle Paul, began to have to count it all done. We had to count it. We loved the people that got left behind. And I often think about those in the church that we came out of who are still there. And, and today, we've been 14 so years later after we came out of a, a church that's nothing but false doctrine, nothing but full of false doctrine, how much God has done in us and through us in those 14 years. But I also have to look back and see how farther away they have become. Because when God shows up and moves and begins to separate, He does it to prove those who He's allowed to work through. What does the Bible say? There's something in the New Testament that says it's a Bible class, so it won't hurt if I show my ignorance and don't know. But there's something the Bible says there must be controversy, there must be division, there must be something so that he can prove who's right. Now, he may be proving ain't neither one of you right. <laughs> like was the case when we left, but thank God he did lead us to the right path. That path of righteousness. Two people can be wrong. But never two people can be right if both of them are saying something contrary to each other. So, Paul received what he had from the Lord. And those who just won't accept that are never going to be able to accept the truth that the Holy Spirit gave Paul to give to us. You have to accept it. It was the same day with Moses. The people fought it tooth and nail when he showed up because things got tough. And when God begins to deal with you, my friend, the truth, show you the truth, you're going to not only see that you've been separated from sin by the truth, but there's a reality of now being separated from those who won't walk with you in the truth. 
whether it be family or those you've been in ministry with for years, there's going to be more than a separation from sin, but a separation from those who refuse to walk in the only place where there's victory from sin. Not that there's a pushing away and a, and a, <coughs> and a throwing rocks at by us, but simply you walking the way of the cross begins to remove people. Most people will not walk that way. They want the, the messages that make them feel good and, and make them emotional and make them... Let me tell you something. If the message of the cross can't make you feel good and emotional, then all the other emotions are just flesh. The moving of the Spirit comes at the preaching of the cross, the true testimony of God. I can cry watching a Hallmark movie, and might I submit to you today that I cry when I watch every one of them because I'm a soft person. You can be a soft person and think that God moves on you continually because you cry all the time, and it's not a move of God at all. You're a soft-hearted person. Soft-hearted people go to hell. Soft-hearted people can cause others to try to pull them into their soft-hearted uh, experience and call that a move of God. The move of God comes as the truth is heard, acknowledged, accepted. The Holy Spirit now begins to move in you concerning what you've accepted, the truth. Amen. Man, I've enjoyed this this morning. I've enjoyed this this morning. We didn't get very far. But remember, it's just precept upon precept. Line upon line, just a little here and a little there. And the more we accept, the more we're letting go. The more truth you'll accept, the more grace you'll find God working in your life to be able to cut those things that's been holding you, trapped from walking in this way. In 2018, I prophesy to you today that we're going to see more churches raised up preaching the message of the cross. We're going to see a greater boldness, a greater illumination of the scriptures. God is going to bless and give more to those who have. In 2018, we're going to see ministers giving up what they've held dear to to come back to the path of righteousness in the name of Jesus. Father, bless us today. Bless your people. Thank you for those that tune in. Watch the broadcast, those who will share it as they're not ashamed of the gospel. And I thank you, Lord, for every person who is a part of this Bible study, a part of Crossway Church as well, who seeks you in your word and always finds you through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. We'll see you right here next week. God bless you.